welcome to the Central Vineyard podcast. We're really pleased you've chosen to join us today. Our vision is to be a transformational church community, following Jesus, joining God in the renewal of all things. We'd love for you to join us in person if you're able to on a Sunday morning. If you would like more details, you can visit our website at centralvineyard.co.uk. For those who don't know, my name's Pete. Um, I'm one help um, lead um, with a bunch of other people here at Central Vineyard. Um, so this morning, um, if you were here for the last couple of weeks, we've been spending a bit of time um, looking at community, the sort of vision talks. Obviously, um, we've got lots of areas of vision, but we spent a few weeks just looking at this idea of community. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a brilliant um, service, although it did overrun spectacularly if you look at the podcasts you can see how long each talk is and I think normally they're about if I'm preaching it's a bit longer hopefully this morning won't be that but I think that one was a hundred one hour six minutes so we did definitely definitely overrun but we had such a good time it was so good to hear from loads of different people about all of the things that are happening Um, so we're definitely going to do one of those again um, next year and then last week Dan spent a bit of time looking at how we cultivate community The reality is that community takes work because people are difficult and awkward, sometimes annoying, but sometimes good. Um, But but basically, we're called to love one another in community, um, including the stranger, and and that helps our communities grow and develop and flourish. So if you've missed either of those weeks and you've got an hour and 40 minutes to spare, then I'd encourage you to go on the website and have a listen to those. and then this week, um, before we go on to our Lent series that Deborah's just um, mentioned, we're going to look at innovative community. So what does this even mean? What does it mean by, what do I mean by innovative community? Perhaps this isn't a phrase that you've heard um, said in church before. Maybe it is. Maybe you're like, I'm sick of hearing that. But we're going to talk about it anyway, whether you've heard it or not. Um, but in my experience, church or churches and Christianity in general, especially over recent years, I say recent years, um, can be anything but innovative. Now, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, so I'll go for it anyway. Um, I, my teenage years was in the 90s, and Christian music in the 90s was something else. Maybe it's the same now, and I just don't listen to it, but... Um, Christian music in the late 90s, early 2000s, the biggest selling point of a Christian artist was, you've got to listen to these people. They sound just like. They all sounded like someone. That was the biggest selling point. They sounded like, I don't know, R.E.M. I probably didn't sound like R.E.M., so a bit depressive. But they sounded like this band or that band. And the best thing about them was they sounded like these normal bands. And often they copied rather than innovated. They weren't doing anything new. There were some, but most of them weren't doing anything new. They were just copycatting other people because that was what sold records. That's me being super controversial there. I'm sure there was heart in it. But Andy Crouch, who um, has written a bunch of books, but also works with this organization called Praxis, which if you've got some time, Google Praxis. They do incredible stuff with innovation and businesses and stuff like that, but in a Christian context. Um, But he said this, I wonder what we Christians are known for in the world outside our churches. 
Are we known as critics, consumers, copiers, condemners of culture? I'm afraid so. Why aren't we known as cultivators, people who tend and nourish what is best in human culture, who do the hard and painstaking work to preserve the best of what people before us have done? Why aren't we known as creators, people who dare to think and to do something that has never been thought or done before, something something that makes the world more welcoming and thrilling and beautiful? So here we we have a desire. Our desire is to be a community that encourages innovation, creativity, and the development of God-given ideas in our community, perhaps even more importantly, outside of our community. As Andy Crouch said in that quote, what would it look like if we, we here in Central Vineyard in Northampton were known as cultivators, people who nourish the best parts of our culture? What if we were known as innovators, people who had new ideas, What if we were known for our creativity? And just as a bit of a a caveat, I'm going to use the word creativity and innovation interchangeably this morning. Um, Yes, there are differences. But I think that innovation comes from a place of recognizing our creativity. That we were made by the most creative God. And that recognizing our creativity has a role in the renewal and restoration of our community and town. Which then leads us on, as our tagline says, um, joining God in the renewal of all things. And just as Jeremiah wrote to the Babylonians, they said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city of which I sent you and pray pray to the Lord that it prospers, because if it prospers, you will prosper. But as I've said before, sometimes creativity in church and Christian circles has a bit of baggage with it. I don't know. Again, I might upset some people here. But I remember going to Spring Harvest in the 90s as a teenager. um, And there was always a creative thing going on. Remember the Big Top? Whoever went to Spring Harvest? The Big Top? There was always a creative thing going on somewhere. There was either someone or a couple of people at the front waving flags, which I always thought someone's going to get clobbered with one of those in a minute and then we'll be praying for healing. Um, Or there was a dancer, an interpretive dancer, or um, the best one I think I saw one year, there was this person who had an easel up, and they were just making a right old mess on this easel, throwing paint on it and, you know, doing it to the music. And then at the end, they spun it around, and it was a Jesus' face on this canvas. It was like, whoa, that looked a right mess a minute ago. But I want us to try and stretch our minds further than just... um, I mean, there is a place for that, don't get me wrong. There's probably not a place for flag-waving in here because it's a bit small. Um, But I just want us to stretch our minds further um, and what creativity can look like. See, creativity is something that's woven into each of us. And I know that there were some people, and I won't pick on anyone, some people say, I've not got a creative bone in my body. But I actually think that God would beg to differ He's placed each bone in your body with perfect creativity. And that has been spoken to you through a whole host of talents and skills. Let's be honest, most of them are absolute miracles. So for some people who are logical or mathematical, they might not think they're creative. For me, that's a creative gift. Perhaps you're practical and like to work with your hands and get things done. That's creativity. Perhaps you're a dreamer and you have more um, 
ideas and you know what to do with. That's creative. Or maybe you're the sort of person who just takes someone else's idea and makes it happen. And that is equally creative. Yesterday, um, we, we spent a couple of days in London. The girls took me for my a belated birthday present. Yesterday, I went to the Natural History Museum, which, apart from being absolutely rammed full of people, because it was half term on a Saturday, um, you can't go into a place like that and not marvel at the creativity of God. Now, I know... Lots of people in there wouldn't think it was a God, but I just think you can't, I don't know how anyone can deny there is a God when you see the creativity in all of, all of the natural world. It's just incredible. Granted, they were all stuffed in, in uh, cabinets, but equally, you got to appreciate the creativity. And that same creativity that God put into all of those things is put in each of us as well. We're the most marvelous designs that are made for far more than sitting at a desk or just sitting in a chair here on a Sunday or filling our diaries with mundane things. We are made to come alive and to bring life to wherever we go. It's in Genesis we read that God um, created mankind and he made us in his likeness so that we would rule over all of the creatures. In Genesis 1 it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image in our own likeness, so that it may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that, might, that move along the ground. Later on in Genesis, God says, fill the earth and subdue it. This means stewarding. This doesn't mean dominating. This means stewarding each thing so it can fulfill the God's given purpose. This is about stewardship, not exploitation. It's about ordering chaos. Now, I'm not a massive fan of chaos. If you go and look at my desk in my office here or at home, then you might argue the difference. But that's organized. The only thing is, fine. But I don't like chaos very much. And I think most of us are okay to control our own little bit of life. But here, God is calling us to a bigger patch. To bring order to the world around us. And you just look around our towns and our communities... There's so much chaos out there. There seems to be so much darkness. But we believe in a God that spoke, spoke and said, let there be light, and the light came in. And we believe in a spirit that hovered over the water and brought incredible kingdom order. And with the help of the Holy Spirit working through us, um, we're called to steward creation and bring order to chaos, to bring beauty so creativity is not, therefore, um, about artistic talent. It's about colliding with culture and breathing the Holy Spirit into the dead places and proclaiming life and light. So that, perhaps that sounds even more terrifying for some of you than uh, standing at the front waving a flag. Um, and this isn't about standing on the corner and preaching. It's about learning to, learning to lean into our God-given talents and skills and passions that are already within us, that God's already put inside us, and carrying God's kingdom to the places that are unreachable to others. All of us have places where no one else in this room will go tomorrow morning. And perhaps this is your workplace, or perhaps it's something like Restore, maybe a volunteer here in Restore during the week, being alongside people who aren't quite like you. Maybe it's in school or university. No one else in this room 
is going to go to the same place as you go to tomorrow. And just this week, Annie was sharing with me about a, a volunteer in Restore um, and how she was encouraged to just see how naturally this person um, spoke to every guest that came through the door in our, um, into our hub on a Tuesday for Food Bank. This particular person, Annie, said that knew exactly, you know, just knew exactly what to say to each person as they came in and, get, and greeted them with a smile. But she admitted that she doesn't come naturally to, to her despite how it looked. But over time, she'd grown in confidence in just saying yes. She just said yes to that opportunity. And creati creativity can often just start with a yes. And last week, if you were here, Michelle shared about how she'd just said yes to God in a coffee shop. And we loved hearing that story, just looking around the room and saying, okay, God's telling me to go and speak to that person. I'm just going to say yes to that. But sometimes, as you know, Michelle said, it does take a bit of a pep talk in a toilet to yourself beforehand. But that is creativity. That obedience is creativity. And saying yes to things can sometimes feel daunting. We're often our own worst enemies when we say, you know, that's out beyond what I can do. I'm not going to do that. But if you've been around the vineyard for more than five minutes, you'll have heard the phrase, everyone gets to play. And we actually believe that. We don't just think that it's just for a few people to do these, this kind of thing. So whether you're the most well-equipped or ill-equipped, knowledgeable or not knowledgeable, experienced, or you have no experience at all, God has a part for you to play. And that's just perfect for you. It may grow you. That might be a might be what happens if you say yes. But it'll also involve you being in part of a story of redemption where you can outpour grace into our communities and it all just starts with a yes. So before we get creative, don't worry, we're not going to do any dancing or painting, unless you want to. Um, I want to look at a story where um, creative life breaks out for the people of Israel. And it begins with Moses in the burning, burning bush. This is an encounter that God's, God uses to start a redemptive journey for Moses. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Exodus 3 and 4. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm just going to take um, some chunks out of it. Um, we normally say on a Sunday, if you want to, we have some Bibles on the landing. We don't actually have a Bible this in it because they're just New Testaments, but we'd love to give you a New Testament anyway. If you want a Bible um, with the Old Testament, go speak to Ken. He'll give you one. Um, so if you have your Bibles, it's just um, three and four. And the words will be on there as well, but I'm going to read it from here. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the, why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their, 
their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have, but, but it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then it continues in chapter 4. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by its tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So from this story, um, I want to ask us three questions. The number one is, where do you stand? So God said to Moses, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. It's holy because the Lord is there or here. But in this um, story, Moses is confronted by his own brokenness and the fact that he spent many, many years hiding from Pharaoh in the wilderness perhaps thinking his whole life had been wasted. And in this moment of encounter, God says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm going to transform your brokenness. You personally are going to go on this redemptive journey. And from you, redemption is going to flow to an entire nation. And then through that to the, to the ends of the earth. So don't run from your brokenness. You see, creativity can often flow from that pr- place of brokenness. When things aren't quite right, that's when we get visions of how things could be. So own your disappointments. There is a connection between pain and creativity, chaos and creativity. When we bring our internal chaos to God, what does he do? He orders it. He brings it back with healing and restoration. And when he does that to us, he can do that through us. And then creative life breaks out. And in that moment, um, and if you're in that moment right now, don't numb the pain. Don't run from it. Welcome the Holy Spirit to do something in you. And number two, he says, where is your land? So here God basically casts a vision to Moses. There's a land marked out for you. We didn't actually read that bit, but a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, listen to, listen to your desires. Sometimes in church, we have this mindset that we can't listen to our desires. We can't engage with them. Um, and sometimes that's right because sometimes our desires are a little bit distorted. But at the same time, we actually know that God puts desires. He puts his desires into our hearts. He's given us all dreams and passions and skills and talents. Every single person in this room has had those. We just need to lean into those. As the psalmists say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And also we all have lands, I've touched on this earlier, but we all have lands that that God's given to us. Now for most of us, they're not flowing with milk and honey. Um, Maybe it's 
just filled with studying or an office full of people or wherever you are, God has placed you there for a reason, even if it's only for a short time. So look around and see which land or what land God has given you. And then thirdly, what's in your hands? For Moses, it was a staff, which was the tool of the trade for a shepherd. And God says, put it on the floor and it becomes a snake. And really, the principle here that God's showing is surrender. He tells Moses to surrender what's in his hand and God will do remarkable things with it. So if you remember what happened, if you read on, if you read on in the story, remember what happens with that, what Moses does with that stuff once God's told him to surrender it. He stuck it in the water and the Red Seas parted and he allowed them to get out of Egypt. He hit a rock and water came out of it just because he surrendered it. You see, when you surrender what's in your hand, God will multiply it and bring about redemption. So surrender your gifts. Whatever God has given you, surrender them. And please don't be sitting here thinking, I have nothing to offer. Everyone has something to offer. Remember, you're made in the image and likeness of God. So what are your gifts? Surrender them to the kingdom and creativity will flow. And some of us, ideas will flow naturally. For some of us, those I, most, for some of us can take those ideas and multiply them. For some, generosity and wise counsel will be what you can offer. For some of us, just getting stuck in and getting the job done is the greatest gift that we can bring. So what would it look like for us to be an innovative community here at Central Vineyard? Because I truly believe that um, we need to mean what we say when we say, you know, bringing communities to life and joining God and all the real things. That's a nice snazzy tagline, but there's no point in having it if we don't actually mean it. We want to join God in this business of renewal. And sometimes we can feel that we're in a bit of a wasteland where, no where there's no evidence of God at work. But perhaps he's calling you to be a catalyst for change. Maybe you can take what we learn here on a Sunday and feel in this place and then make it known in our communities. So we spent the last, if you again, before this series, we spent a few weeks looking at Sabbath. Sorry detour here um, and this is something that's already um, bringing delight and change to lots of people in the room um, whether you're doing it on your own or doing it part of a community um, my Kenana Sabbath in you can never know what day they're Sabbath in I think my dad started using it as an excuse if he just wants to leave he picked it up from the train station yesterday and said oh I've got to go we're on Sabbath and he, and he, as soon as he left Annie said change every week what day it's on only twice, yeah. <laughs> three times maybe. Um, but we want to celebrate Sabbath, both in our homes and here at church. Rest and renewal of self is good, it's important, but maturity of faith holds this in one hand and then our mission in another. Um, in a book called um, From the Sanctuary to the Streets. It says, God moves in the sanctuary to heal the church. God moves in the streets to heal the world. 
We are created to find rest in the sanctuary and to serve in the streets. To hold to the sanctuary and to let go of the streets is to find selfishness. To hold on to the streets and to let go of the sanctuary is to find burnout. To anchor ourselves in both is to encounter God's tender love for us and participate in his compassionate mission in the world. And a quip evening in the summer when we were talking about um, our new community circles, or began to talk about them. We spent some time mapping out the sectors where people were involved in, the people in the room, um, to see what areas were represented here at Central Vineyard. And we had a really long list. There were lots in social care and health and education. But we had a really good mix across different things. We had um, people who um, represented law, justice and business and transport. There's a long, long list of things. And not just in Northampton, but people who travel to Birmingham for work or people who travel to London to work or people who travel beyond to work. And what would it look like to start to dream dreams for all of those places where we have influence and impact or relationship? As I said before, God's given each of us a land. So where are we each standing? And Pete Hughes, who is the um, vicar of KXC in London, wrote an excellent book called All Things New. And in that he said, As followers of Jesus, we are tasked to be agents of renewal to every sector of society. We partner with Christ in the renewal of politics, education, business, entertainment, and the arts. The full glory of that renewal awaits Jesus' return, but every endeavor in line with this vision will now last for eternity. So remember those three questions. Where do you stand? Where is your land? And what's in your hand? Now, just to finish off, um, if you were here at the celebration, you'd have heard me um, talk briefly about um, this idea I had of ch the church, our church being a greenhouse. I feel that God gave me that picture while walking the dog. That's where all the good pictures happen. Um, and I think the important thing about a greenhouse, I'm going to repeat it again because I think it's good. A greenhouse is where young plants are started off, ready for life in the garden, where sick plants are nurtured back to health or brought inside for protection. Greenhouses are also clear so people can see inside them. They're transparent. They reflect, they reflect light and life. And it draws the eye inwards. So what if God was calling this place to be a greenhouse um, for our town and communities, a place where new ideas are birthed, where risks are taken, where ideas are taken to the next level, a place, where, um, place of creativity and life? And we want Central Vineyard and our smaller community circles to be greenhouses for our town. Not just for us in this room today, but for the, for the wider community. A place where old and new ideas can be tested and started, a safe place for us to both succeed and fail, for the vulnerable to find safety, for the broken to be restored, where the young can be nurtured. I don't know about you, but I fancy going to a church like that, so if one of those exists, maybe I'll go there. Now Andy Crouch, who I quoted right at the beginning, sums up how we want to cultivate community so that we can innovate together and join God in the work of renewal. So he says, find a community, a small group who can lovingly fuel your dreams and puncture your illusions. Find friends and form a family who are willing to see the grace at work in one another's lives, who can discern together which gifts 
and which crosses each has been called to bear. Find people who have holy respect for power and a holy willingness to spend their power alongside the powerless. Find some partners in the wild and wonderful world beyond the church doors and then together make something of the world. You see, we've always never meant to be a church that just meets here on a Sunday. And much of what we do um, and continue to do is born out of this desire. It's one of the reasons we bought this building. And we want to continually ask ourselves, and it's a question we asked ourselves many years ago, is if we shut down tomorrow, would we be missed? So maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I have no idea what to do. I don't feel creative at all. Well, maybe the first place is to start small or just say yes. And sometimes it's also good to remember that just like Christian music in the 90s, there's often not an original idea, just copy somebody else's idea. So do you have a passion or an unrealized dream? A longing to work with a particular group or community? Or have a talent that you think can bring something to life? So to close, and we're running out of time, I promise I wasn't running over, but we probably are going to run over. Um, We've gathered a bit of a list of things that are sort of stirring up. Some of them are our ideas, my ideas. Some of them are from the team. Some of them are just ones that I've picked up of people hearing. So I'm just going to run through that list. If any of these think, oh, yeah, I could get involved in that, then we would love to hear from you. Also, we know that not, we're not going to do all these ideas um, because people wouldn't let me do them all because everyone would get burnt out. I'd get burnt out. Some of them are just to say, was that an idea? No, let's get rid of that. Let's not do that. But maybe there's something that I'll say in this list. And I'm not going to explain them all. I'll explain some quickly. But maybe there's something in that list. You say, actually, there's something in that. There's something that I can feel passionate about. So one of the ideas um, that I've had is, um, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I've just become a governor of a school. And one of the things that I've been highlighted, or was highlighted to me over the last couple of meetings that we've had is the the pressure on teachers but there doesn't seem to be any um, emotional support so I've been chatting to well, I'm hopefully going to chat with John but I've chatted to John already what would it look like if as a church we could offer some pastoral support to a school or two or three just on an ad hoc basis just to help out um, their stress and their burdens so that's one idea we've got a need in our church um, that's come up for bikes for um, refugees in the hotel so what would it look like if someone said okay well I'm going to do that I'm going to start gathering the bikes if they need a bit of work doing to them we can create some space and create a bit of a warehouse a workshop to work on the bikes and just give them away um, a creative collective we've got loads of creative people in the room what would it look like if we had like a, a place where people could come and do art we could you know I've been trying to fight these people who are graffiti in the building what would it look like if we engaged in them in a creative way um, we're looking at doing um, men's breakfasts. Um, there's befriending families who come through our um, doors in the week. What would that look like? We've got some people who have started businesses, successful businesses, and then gone on to sold them. What would it look like if we became a known for free business mentoring? Um, family cafes at the week. And maybe a social enterprise where we can have a business that generates income or holiday clubs for the kids. Um, I'm going to skip some of these because I'm feeling slightly overwhelmed just reading them out. Um, prison ministries, gardening projects, school mission. 
um, start starting new businesses. And one of the things that we're, we're, we're doing is prayer. So there's a few people who have come to me saying, I think we need to be leaning into prayer a bit more. So with Deborah um, and um, Moira, who's not here, we're going to look at what it looks like to have some opportunities in the week to pray. Um, so whatever, it might be something on that list you've thought, actually, that sounds like something that I could probably get stuck into. you no doubt got your own ideas. But we just want to create this culture of um, of people coming with their ideas and saying, hey, let's give this a go. Is this right? Is God in this? And then we'll see what happens. Rather than it just being, you know, coming here on a Sunday, what can we do to um, reach out and be um, bring God's renewal to our communities? I haven't really got an ending uh, because I haven't, but I have been praying about it. And I'm going to do something a bit different this morning, so please forgive me. Again, God spoke to me. I was walking the dog um, a couple of weeks ago, and I've been mulling it over, and I think I'm just going to do it. Should we do it? Let's do it. Um, okay, so I believe that God, God told me that we need to pray for everyone who's retired um, in the room. And whether you have just retired, been retired for a long time, or let's set a date. Maybe you're going to retire in the next year. I really, really, really believe that a lot of this is going to happen through you. Now you're sitting there thinking, I'm, so, I'm too tired to do that. <laughs> We're all tired, so, you know, you might be a bit more tired, but we haven't got any sympathy from anyone up here being tired. Um, but I really believe that God's going to do something through that generation. And after what Charlie said this morning, I think it'd be cool for the youth, if you're brave enough, to come and pray for them. So I'm going to ask, if everyone would like to stand, just so it's not as awkward. Um, and if you're, if you're retired, almost retired, or you think, or you'd like to be retired, <laughs> that's everyone, then why don't you come to the front? We've made some space. And we're just going to, hopefully, with annual Dan's help, um, Dan can come up. Um, come on. Otherwise, we are going to overrun. Um, go and stand over there. And we were gonna, we're going to pray for you that you will be the, um, the spark of creativity in this, in this church.